Podcast. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and we are talking about... What about me? Oh. <laughs> what up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. Today we're talking about Invisible Man. The Invisible Man. Which I say saw... it right. No, say it with more gravitas. Oh. And the today we are talking about Invisible, Invisible Man. Man. Do not go see Invisible Man alone at the theaters did you yes yeah but it was like broad daylight right yes but it was still totally terrifying yeah why because um <laughs> what do you mean why i went into the invisible man knowing almost nothing i kind of had a vague sense that chevy chase had made an invisible man <laughs> he did which was a comedy <laughs> but not since yeah there was like there were even tv series there was an invisible woman but n- this was based on 1933's invisible man with claude rains a property which universal holds on to steadfastly so let me give you some backstory before we delve into the review universal uh has had these monster properties since time for time immemorial and that's kind of all they've got in this sort of genre and they uh in the wake of marvel's uh performance you know with the with uh, all the marvel stuff universal set out to make a shared universe of these characters they had tried before obviously we've had dracula movies we had van helsing vampire type movies um and we had the wolfman with benicio del toro uh, several years ago but they decided to bring it all together in what they were calling the dark universe where they were going to make a mo- modern adaptations of these movies. They had, they cast the actors well ahead of time and had even a, a photo shoot of these major actors. Tom Cruise was going to be in the mummy, Russell Crowe, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, who was also in the mummy, Javier Bardem, who was going to play Frankenstein's monster, Johnny Depp, who was going to play the invisible man. And so, Heading up this new dark universe was Tom Cruise as the mummy, and it failed spectacularly at the box office. Not as literally as the mummy. No, as, uh, right. <laughs> but performed well below expectations, and they shelved the entire dark universe. Just on the basis of the performance of the mummy? Yeah. So moving forward with, with many, many, many millions of dollars just didn't seem feasible anymore. So now they're piecemealing their movies one at a time. It's changed directions. Uh, Invisible Man and this dude who played the Invisible Man, no Johnny Depp, I would have to imagine it would have been a vastly different movie. If it wasn't Oliver Jackson Cohen and was Johnny Depp instead, did Johnny Depp not do it because of all his bad press? I think Universal chose not to move forward with the massive budget because the mummy, I think, was over $130 million or something absurd. So this was this movie was produced for something like $30 million in total. Very small movie. Jason Blum of Blumhouse picked up this movie, and he's sort of uh, the new wave of horror filmmakers. Him and Jordan Peele. Well, so. <laughs> anyway, and so this is a much smaller, um, maybe not resorting to tricks, but at least being inventive in terms of how to make an effective Invisible Man movie. I was very skeptical going in, as good as the trailers looked. At the box office, the film is doing fairly well. Really well, considering it's low budget. It's not the runaway hit that they were sort of hoping these Dark Universe movies would be, but it recouped its budget, including advertising, pretty much in the first weekend. So do you have experience with the original film? What year is that from? 33. I have seen it for sure. I'm pretty sure you've seen it. Was it scary? Um, 
Yes, it definitely didn't play as any kind of comedy. I think there were some funny elements and inherently when the dude is running around in a hat and sunglasses, which if he was invisible, why did he go to such pains to be visible? <laughs> but and he wears like bandages on his face. Right. So we get a human shape that's unsettling, right? And then when then the bandages peel away and he's invisible and presumably naked underneath him, you're like, "Whoa, it's scary," right? But without those sort of anchors, it would just be props and knives floating around, right? You mean like it was in this film? We have to have a corporeal sense of the invisible man for him to be scary when he's invisible. Well, yes and no. I mean, some of the scariest parts of this film were when she was trying to assess if she was alone. Yeah. And so in that way, I think the movie was remarkably effective Um, in showing less in the Jaws sort of style of filmmaking, where less is more, I think every frame of this movie was filled with dread, where you didn't know where he was or if he was there at all. Right. And that not knowing is so unsettling. I related to her character because I think I made the ridiculous decision of reading, what's the book about the East Area Rapist called? Golden State Killer? Okay. (laughs) You read it (laughs) in conjunction with this movie? No, I read the book about the Golden State Killer while Brian was out of town for two weeks. Good job. Which was a terrible decision. And I was alone with the two girls. And the East Area Rapist did not spare women with children. And would find myself in the middle of the night walking around my house, checking closets and looking around corners. And then one night, there's this random, there's this like crawl space. This is total, it's such a horror movie setup. There's this crawl space under my kitchen and there's a little door that allows you to access the crawl space and it mysteriously fell open one night and made a gunshot-like sound in the middle of the night. And I literally like combed the entire house with a flashlight trembling the entire time. This is post-Invisible Man? No, this was before. But, oh, man. but it's that's why I related to this character because I've, I've found myself wandering my, around my house, like wondering who's around the corner. Remember when you and Steph pulled into Indianapolis and I immediately took you to the Blair Witch Project and then sent you off camping like the <laughs> next day? <laughs> You're not alone. Um, definitely this movie speaks to the fears of women in particular as it, com- as it comes to paranoia and gaslighting. It's uh, been made no secret of. Um, d- definitely uh, Elizabeth Moss, as I understand it, is producer of Handmaid's Tale. And as such, Lee Winnell, the director, actually approached her about her thoughts and stylistically and uh, re- relevantly how to tell this tale. And she had some input uh, about the fears of women not just being in control or necessarily, but being in control of themselves and their faculties in the face of uh, controlling, abusive, uh, significant others. Um, yeah, so in that way, I think it's relevant, spoke to you know some of the fears and concerns of this time. And uh, definitely a lot of women connected with this movie on that level or, or at least recognize those themes as being something that's more or less a part of the, some of the fears of their uh, their everyday lives. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. And I appreciated, too, that this film, as much as this is perhaps something that women can relate to more, I liked that um, I anticipated that the dad cop, that he was going to be her hero, you know, like especially when she's grappling with um, the invisible man in his home and he comes home 
and is like all he means business and he knows that his daughter is at risk and they and he fights with him in the hallway and I totally anticipated that he was going to come home and like rescue her mm-hmm. rescue Elizabeth Moss but it turned but he gets stopped down and I was pleased that um, Elizabeth Moss is her own hero in this film not only in that scene but in the scene at the very end I thought that dude was totally going to die I thought the cop was positioned. He's not the uh, the boyfriend or the partner of the sister and a black guy. I was like, oh, man, please don't kill that dude. I thought he was going to die and that she would be left to care for the daughter. Well, he was like a ridiculously goal. buff cop. Yeah, but I thought that would be all the more indication that our, our uh, expectations would be subverted and he would be he would be killed. So in perhaps in contradiction to what I was just saying, that I was glad that um, Elizabeth Moss was her own hero. It's very confusing whether she kills the Invisible Man or not. She excuses herself and goes to the bathroom. Yep. And we see her crying and primping in the mirror. Uh Uh-huh. And then the Invisible Man's throat is slashed, presumably by her. Yes. And then she runs out again. Yes. But but it's too quick to have happened, at least the way that time-wise it was presented that she could have done it. And then when I was leaving the theater alone, because I saw it alone, which I don't recommend, there's this random old dude, because I guess those are the kind of people who attend matinees, who approached me just to say, so who killed him at the end? Uh, Don't give too much credence to the old dude. She definitely killed him. I think it was staged enough so that there was some ambiguity because nothing in this movie is hand-fed to us to its credit. It doesn't hit us over the head with the obvious facts. A lot of it is left open to interpretation, but I think it's pretty safe to say that she killed him um, by using the suit that she had squirreled away, made it look like he had killed himself, used the cameras. um, So she went to the bathroom, and we see her go to the bathroom. Yes. And then she ran and got the suit. Yes. And then she put it on. He spent a long time dying. He did. And it then was, she went out and slit his throat. Not to say that there wasn't some level of ambiguity, but I'm pretty sure yes. Because she had the suit. She wasn't worried when she stumbled in. She was perfectly at peace with the suit conveniently in her bag. And the cop let her go, by the way. All this stuff, all this uh, questioning whether or not she was mentally sound. And then when she actually does kill the dude, he's like, all right, well, t- have fun with that suit. See ya. Well, he was a believer after... Um the brother, dead brother, was revealed in the yeah, house. Yeah, that doesn't mean that the murder didn't stop, that the murdering didn't stop. So I also had a problem with the ending, maybe not as much as you did, but the sort of her fighting to preserve her sanity and to legitimize the horrible things that he did to her and how she was an undeserving victim. To kill him is one thing. To kill him in cold blood and make off with a suit is kind of another like there was speculation as to whether or not this would set up a sequel where she becomes the invisible woman, blah, don't care. That's not what I wanted to see. Uh, I had a little bit of a problem with the, the ambiguity of the ending. There is, strangely enough, an invisible woman being developed by Universal right now. It's in the hands of Elizabeth Banks, who's going to direct and produce it and star as the invisible woman, apparently not connected at all. Is it a comedy? I think so, as was the original Invisible Woman sequel to The Invisible Man, I think it was like in the 40s or 50s. I think that for all her, she's a good guy, he's a bad guy 
strategy that the movie employed to have her kill him in cold blood was maybe a necessary step, but I would have thought she would have been a bit more distraught about it, how she had to stoop to his level and play his game in order to get rid of him once and for all. Well, they established pretty clearly that there was going there was no end of this horror in sight for her. Unless she killed him. Right. Yeah. Unless she stopped him, which there was no other way than to kill him. So maybe she was numbed by trauma or whatever and was able to kill him, and she should have. I was happy to see him die. But the way that the filmmakers chose to end it where it seemed like it was setting her up to kind of step into his role was a little bit off-putting for me. Hmm. That said, the movie was really effective across the board in communicating its themes in dread, even though we know the tricks. We've seen Hollow Man and like green screen technology, invisibility cloaks and Harry Potter. We know all the tricks, and I think it was still r- remarkably effective. Well, you, you're talking technically, but I mean, did, were you scared? I, I was scared because, not that I was waiting for it to jump out, but I couldn't track where he was. I didn't know if he was even present in those scenes. I was starting to, to get paranoid and wonder after the fact, in the same way that the Predator is actually in some of the jungle scenes, before that character is ever introduced in the same way that the xenomorph in Alien is actually present and fully visible in the director's cut of Alien. You can see them in the movie before you have any context for who they are. I started to wonder, is the Invisible Man in any of these scenes? Do you think they have a dude in the Invisible Man green screen suit in some of the scenes where he may or may not have been? Like the actor? Kelly looked at me like I was crazy. But I was like, I wonder how much he was there. And when she's looking at the doorway, I legitimately wondered if the actor in the invisible suit was standing in the doorway. Does that make sense? Like it doesn't, it shouldn't because you can just film a doorway and it costs nothing. Or you could put the dude in there and we could be looking right at him and don't know. That is a little crazy. At what point did you know? Did you, did you concretely know that story-wise the invisible man was there? Um, Well, Kelly picked up on the noise. There was a telltale noise, a little clicky of the suit's cameras or whatever. That was kind of alien-like, right? Yeah. So in that way, uh, it was creepy. But I didn't pick up on that at first. I knew what was happening. And as soon as she threw the paint on him, which you asked me when I was scared, that's when I was scared. And that was the first time that you knew for 100% that he was there? Well, yeah, that's when everybody knew. But she went up in the attic and I was like, why? Why would you go up in the attic? That's crazy talk. Seriously. And then... Even though it was telegraphed uh, in the in the trailers and stuff, I didn't see her reach for the paint. I was we were craning our necks down the stairs uh, from the attic as everybody was, and when she throws the paint and he's right there, like I got serious chills. But also at that moment, there was a weird inhuman alien kind of aesthetic to him because when she throws the paint on him, you can see the patterning of the suit. And I leaned over and I said, he's in a suit. It's a technical suit. He's not actually invisible because of some blood serum or some crap. Why was there an an open can of paint right there? I don't know. But it was so scary and effective because the paint came from out of frame and her her head is blocking. And all of a sudden, he's right there. Not like you see him skitter past at the base of the stairs or anything. He's right in front of her staring her in the face. Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. But are you telling me then that you did not see the knife disappear or the breath of air? I did. I saw the the knife disappear. and so we knew, but I, I didn't, didn't really have any doubt. I knew he was around. I just didn't know exactly where. But I did pick up on the suit pretty early. Um, somebody made mention of the fact that he literally lights the gas on the stove when he steals the, the knife. Gas lighting. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lights. To, no, doesn't work. Womp womp. Yeah. Wait, but, you, but did you see the breath of air? Yeah. So which one came first? I think the breath of air was the very first thing where she started to hear weird things or sense weird things. We saw her breath clearly established and then his. So there was no doubt that there was someone else present. Yeah. I was just trying to to, to pinpoint the moment where, because I didn't know for sure, just like she didn't know for sure. I mean, the she they make it pretty clear with the sister coming over that she has basically violated the rules of the safe house by coming there. And so you knew they were effectively inviting him in. But then I still wasn't sure if he was there until the, the air. Yeah. We knew that there was an invisible man involved at some point, but until then we were kind of aligned with her and not feeling, not being sure that she would be able to fight this fight on equal ground, right? She was fighting against everyone and and, and belief and she was even doubting herself. I still felt like I identified with her panic and her confusion and her disorientation in spite of whether or not he was present. Did you feel like you empathized with her like as a woman or did you really, did you, it sounds like you approached this kind of dude like because I wasn't picking up on a lot of these socio-political themes. Uh Like it sounds like you were pretty aware of them. Well, he was way richer than I was. And when we saw his face way hotter than I was. So it's not like I was like, oh, I'm in Adrian's shoes. So no, I didn't really approach this. Well, you're also not a sociopathic dude. You don't know that. But the point is I... I identify or, you know, I I felt for the Elizabeth Moss character because she was so everything was in her face. Right. She acted basically towards nothing or she acted next to a dorky stunt dude in a green suit a lot of the time. So it was all in her face and her fear and terror at uh, just trying to get out of the house undetected so she could get far enough away down the road where she could affect an escape was pretty harrowing. Um, knowing that she was A, in danger, and B, maybe couldn't defend herself from danger because nobody believed her enough to not lock her up, um, was hard. And so I basically went along for the ride and was carried, sustained throughout by Elizabeth Moss's performance. Quite a feat, actually. Elizabeth Moss reminded me of, who's the actor in Us? Elizabeth Moss? Well, yeah. (laughs) The main actress. Yeah, Lupita Nyong'o. Lupita. Lupita Nyong'o. Elizabeth Moss, so um, Elizabeth Moss sustained the fear like Lupita Nyong'o does in Us, also an Elizabeth Moss movie. Yeah, a much better movie, The Invisible Man. Yeah, we all know how much you love Us. Yeah, not at all. Elizabeth Moss was the best part about Us. Even though she played kind of a throwaway character. But like I said in Us, the review of Us, Elizabeth Moss has one of those faces you just can't stop looking at. Right. Which isn't quite traditionally beautiful, but it's like so interesting. I really like her. I haven't seen, obviously, her arc in Mad Men, character-wise, I think she embodied both the meek sort of secretary and when she comes into her own, I really believe her. I feel like she has a lot of power. Yeah, she's a very powerful actor. She doesn't take herself too seriously. 
Like, I think she's goofy and fun in real life. At least she seems to appear not quite aloof, but just doesn't take her too, herself too seriously in interviews and things. And then in this role, she's on that verge of manic sort of tension the entire time, uh, which must be really hard, especially since we know that she's acting against some dorky dude in a green suit when it's probably the goofiest looking thing you've ever seen. On <laughs> exactly, set. exactly. Yeah. To maintain the fear in mm-hmm. such an artificial environment is quite a feat. She probably has a lot of experience, what with Handmaid's Tale, where there's a constant sense of dread. But The Invisible Man too. this could have been a Johnny Depp role. It was originally, but like I said, it would have been different. This it's, dude, not like the, it's not like The Invisible Man has much of a role. Did we, I didn't even, when we, when he sat down at the table, that was the first time that I got a look at that dude's face. Yeah. Because we see him in bed, we see him punch the window, and then we see like maybe some pictures of him or we right. associate his, his physical identity with his brother, who we see a lot. But honestly, he was kind of an invisible man when he wasn't invisible. I barely got a sense of that dude. And when I did, he was kind of smarmy looking and kind of gross. And so I didn't like him very much, but it was definitely all about her. Yes. Right. For, I mean. And maybe it would have been more of a two-hander if it was Johnny Depp. I don't know. I Um, mean, his brother, uh, the Tom character, played much bigger role. And I think he did it very well. I thought that he was, you couldn't, he was, he he seemed to be so sincere in telling her that that he also was a victim of his right. brother's manipulations. And I really couldn't tell. And that was the great part about this movie is I couldn't tell a lot of what was going on 100% of the time. But you're not trying to get ahead. I'm not trying to get ahead, no. But I, it needs to carry me along. And it doesn't. And, and while I want to be on rails and taken through the motions of this movie, I don't want to be able to see around every corner before we get there. Right. And so this kid, Lee Wanell, younger than I am, is the only reason I call him a kid. I feel like he has come into his own after making a bunch of horror sequels and things. He may have done original movies. I don't know. But this is the first time I've become aware of him. And I think that if he can sustain this level of mood and tension in other applications, I think that he might be a person to watch. Um, you saw this movie in the theater. Yep. Do you feel like that made a difference in your experience? For the first time ever? In my entire movie-going experience, Kelly and I walked into an IMAX theater and were completely alone. The entire movie. Now, granted, we try to see movies so that it doesn't totally obliterate our weekend. We saw it at 10.30 in the morning on a Saturday. Yeah. Not everybody was there, but I was genuinely concerned no one was there. about how this movie was going to perform at the box office if none people were in the theater on opening weekend in the morning when we went. And we were like, where is everybody? Maybe it's full and they're just invisible. I don't know. But it was a surreal experience. So we could kind of, you know, low key talk to each other during the movie and and communicate things or whatever. And it was kind of nice. It was like watching it in a gigantic living room. But uh, a unique experience and kind of surreal. Coronavirus. That was definitely a concern. So what was your question? So did it did it change your experience? I mean, do you think that this was creepier, more scary, more terrifying because you saw it on a gazillion foot screen yes it was it was loud and large and a giant screen filled with nothing where i could had to turn my head to check all corners of the screen to try to track where the invisible dude was yeah effective that's kind of cool horror movies are really good in the theater not just because uh that those scary elements are amplified and you're slightly out of your space but sometimes when you're surrounded by other people it can be fun too this is kind of more fun, I feel like, because of the sci-fi nature. 
you know, it's not a true story and therefore I'm not going home and checking around corners. But you did? Well, no, before that. I did before that. That was just, that just helped me relate to the character. But in a way it's fun because you can have all the fun and take home the fun, but you don't have to take home all the dread. Yeah. (laughs) Is there something, were there things that you felt like tipped this over the edge? That made it a good movie? Yeah. I think that handling it unconventionally from the outset, we did get to explain, he did get to explain the suit a little bit, but we didn't get too much into the technical aspect. I don't care. You made it, found a way to be invisible, right? So the movie is about the dread and the uncertainty, not explaining how the stupid suit works. Right. So I was thankful that they didn't do that. I think it set the tone admirably. We were tense about the smallest noises. It took her 10 minutes to creep out of the house. Uh, with all the technical safeguards in place, she adjusted the camera so she could watch him throughout just to get out of the house. It really spoke to the power, the negative power of this guy to be able to control her where she was unsure of herself every every step of the way. Even to the woods when she got to the road, she couldn't be sure, right? The dog and setting off the alarm and just making a break for it and climbing over the wall and stuff. I think it was really well set up. Yeah, that was a great setup to establish how much of a menace that he could be. And it was also effective when the sister was late. Yeah. Can we talk and about the sister you too? You don't know who's coming over the stupid hill. Right. Yeah, the sister character. Yeah, that was a bummer. But how come they had security footage in every in every other scene except for the restaurant where there's a floaty knife? Well, I think that it comes down to the people who observed, who turned their heads and screamed at the appropriate moment where she's holding a bloody knife and her sister is gushing blood and there's no one else at the table, right? Yes, it could have happened uh, for the security footage, but was it necessary when they were surrounded by 100 people in the restaurant all dining who looked over at the same moment and saw her literally holding the murder weapon? So it was or like the hand ca- Caught her red-handed? Yeah. I mean, but do 100 eyewitnesses stack up against footage? I don't know. In the same way that the the suit, I didn't care to figure out how it worked. I also did note the fact that her legal troubles would have mired this movie in courtroom scenes for a long time. Oh, yeah. I hate when movies go there. Yeah, we could have had her, you know, she would have had to have gone through the court trial where she she would have been convicted because she didn't confess, and then she would have been exonerated, and that would have been a lengthy process. She would have spent the whole time in jail anyway. We bypassed all that stuff, right? You did it, man, you're in jail. Oh, you didn't do it? We found out there's another dude in the suit. You're free. Sorry about that. And she's out (laughs) on the road and she can get back to the business of running away from the invisible man. That's true. I did appreciate that lack of uh, uh, accuracy. What I liked about this movie is that it didn't adhere to to many of the tropes that I was expecting. Um, One of the problems that I had with this trailer is that it seemed to tell too much. A lot of people complained this trailer gave away way too much. That's right. Don't you you know for certain that she's not crazy in the trailer? Yeah, there's an invisible man, and then, where are you? Where are you? And stuff starts to appear, and then she says, oh, there you are. And we cut to a a few uh, brief glimpses of her stabbing someone or punching someone. And you're like, okay, she's going to be haunted by this invisible man the whole time. At the end, she's going to do a trick where he's going to become visible so she can finally stab and or shoot him. And uh, that's generally how it goes. It's how it happened in Hollow Man and stuff like that. Um, But as much as that trailer appeared to give away, it was deceptive because we didn't anticipate how it was going to end. And so I appreciated that, that it kept me on my toes, not just uh, second guessing, you know, where everything was and and spatially how uh, she was going to escape from this invisible dude, but also how it was going to ultimately end. I have kind of a weird question for you. Okay. Did... The Invisible Man artificially inseminate her because 
the doctor says it has to have happened in the last month and at least two or three weeks had passed. Oh, yeah, I guess so. So did he creepily get her pregnant? I guess. Like, like did he taint her loofah or something? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess if you were to break this down, if, this, if, if you're writing the novelization of The Invisible Man 2020, maybe you would have to add to, to justify these elements, right? I was happy to leap over that stuff. As a matter of fact, I wasn't 100% sure who was on the level across the board. I wasn't sure if what the doctor was telling her was true. I didn't. I kind of didn't want there to be a baby that she was saddled with. Well, it was it was kind of unnecessary for her to have a baby. Yeah. I mean, I get that it created stakes for him. Like, he couldn't let her die because this is what he's wanted. But it changed the dynamic. He was actually had to protect her in certain situations. It might have been more thin, but you could have... Um, reinforce this idea that he needed her for whatever reason or for love that he needed her and wanted her alive regardless of the baby he was definitely yeah he had twisted uh, ideas of what love and commitment was he really thought in his psychosis that she would have been able to come back and they would have resumed their normal lives like that's just crazy he was obviously crazy um i agree that the, the the baby thing was harder for me to accept, maybe unnecessary, but like Lethal Weapon 4, Renee Russo was pregnant and got kicked in the head. Like, this is a lot to put a pregnant lady through early stages or not. Oh, yeah. Um, and moving forward, so that that's kind of the problem, too. Um, baby daddy dead. She's on her own. She's she still killed pregnant him. at the yeah, end. Yeah, she's still pregnant at the end. Where are we going with that? I honestly hope that we can just let this be and don't follow, have to follow up with a sequel. It was successful, yes. They could make a sequel for probably an equal amount of money, and it might be... Uh, profitable i don't i think let it let it be i mean in this era of sequels and prequels and derivative works you think that they're not they're gonna let this go i don't for better or worse we have a joker sequel coming up and i don't know that i want it well and and todd phillips to begin with was against or was had no intention of having a sequel follow-up yeah now he's on board the machine though and there's no stopping it um so we'll see what they do but i think i was pleasantly surprised by how much of a ride this movie was, how much it defied convention and, uh, and, and was effective. I really hope that it can stand as a testament to just taking a risk and maybe trying something different and having it pay off. That's true. I mean, there aren't a lot of these mid-sized movies these days. So what was your rating? Um, the Invisible Man is a high-end, all-right movie. Um, it did have some problems that made this hard for me to love, but I definitely liked it. What it put me through and how cleverly it was done. Um, you have to admit that it was probably more fun to see with Kelly. Does she get scared? I don't know about scared because the one thing that scared me and sent chills up my spine, she's like, what, you didn't see that coming? That was in the trailer. And I was like, well. The pain on the face? Yeah, but it was still scary. I don't know. But I had fun watching this movie. Um it's not the easiest thing to get her out to the horror movies without, you know, especially in the first weekend out where she doesn't have any reviews to base on it. There, there were a few and it got really good reviews um, for the type of movie that it was. But uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed seeing it with her. I like that she wanted to go and that we had stuff to talk about and, uh, and that we get to review a movie, you know, kind of right on the heels. Brian says that watching scary movies with me makes the movies scarier. Because you jump? Because I jump and grab him and telegraph and stuff. 
It was a good movie. Yeah. Do you think that her being pregnant and her basic, like, you know, inability to die, we couldn't kill her when she was pregnant, um, and he couldn't kill her while she was pregnant. Did that diffuse some of the tension? No, because I, I, I don't think that the pregnancy was necessary story-wise, but uh, I don't think it diffused the tension because that's the point the story took a turn where it became less about, you know, is he there? Is he a threat to her? You know, what's what technology is he using to do what he does to how is she going to get him? It She basically at that point when she is pregnant and stuff like that, she starts taking control and then the tension um, and the, and the suspense come from how is she going to do it? I agree. Do you think there was there ever a point where you believed she might acquiesce and return to him? No, it was either it was live free or die. Hmm. This was a better Harriet Tubman movie than Harriet. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, that's our discussion on The Invisible Man. An all right, a high-end all right from Wes. A good movie from Iris. We'd love to know what you think. Give us a call, 818-835-0473, or send us an email. We're not joking about this. We really want to hear from you, or whatever movies at gmail.com. We love you, Patreon patrons. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Acid. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, all in the Spanish remixes out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.